This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. Our public health experts are watching carefully how the Delta variant is spreading in some other countries, as it now makes up about two-thirds of new COVID-19 cases here. We're seeing new outbreaks and restrictions in Australia, New Zealand, and Israel, which has about 80% of its population vaccinated. So are we about to relax restrictions and enter step two of reopening on Wednesday, just as a new danger looms? Libby asked this question of a panel of experts, Dr. Alon Vaisman, infectious disease and infection control physician at the University Health Network epidemiologist Dr. Prabhat Jha, faculty member at the Dalla School of Public Health, and epidemiologist Dr. Tim Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. Maybe if this was a, a, a drama we were watching, it would be a thrilling uh, nail-biter right to the very finish. We still don't know, we, but it's not. It, people's lives are at stake here, and so we've got to be really serious about this. Yeah, all the indicators that we're looking at, at least the vast majority, are going in an excellent direction. With all those numbers we're, 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 we're looking at almost day-to-day -day over the seven-day averages, but... That variant that's coming along is uh, even more of a, of, a, of a cloud on the horizon than we'd originally thought. It's got all the three factors that we didn't want to see in a variant. In other words, it, it can avoid the influence of antibodies. It increases the uh, risk of being in hospital, for example. Uh, and and it, uh, it, it, it spreads uh, about 40-50% more than the last variant. And that, of course, interprets to how many, how many we're going to need to vaccinate to bring up the herd immunity. Now it's going to be a much larger percent. I just saw yet another article that said uh, AstraZeneca and Pfizer, and presumably Moderna as well, are uh, effective against the variant if you have two doses. Is, is that good enough, Dr. Ja? Yes, uh, we have now good evidence, particularly from the U.K., who have been monitoring the rollout of the vaccines, and they started vaccination earlier than we did, that, in fact, um, a single dose, but ideally a double dose of either the AstraZeneca or the mRNA uh, vaccines provide very high levels of protection against hospitalization or death. And we have to remember what our goal was going into the uh, strategies for vaccination was to prevent people getting sickened or dropping dead and our healthcare system being overwhelmed. So by that measure, we've achieved lots of success. Going forward, we do have the scenario that the UK now also does of having this Delta variant being an increasing proportion of a shrinking total. Um, so there will be cases caused. So the key questions now are what strategies can be put in place for uh, 
uh, trying to deal with not the big fire, but the small fire. And we have to remember, we cannot rely only on vaccines. The other public health pillars, which are testing, including rapid testing at home or self-testing, contact tracing, and much better data, those are the other pillars uh, along with our very successful vaccination program that we have to draw upon. And I'd like to bring in Dr. Alon Vaisman, who is an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist at the University Health Network. I wonder, is this a, a dangerous period that we're heading into? Yeah, it's interesting to look at those instances, those other countries, because although uh, case numbers do rise or have examples of case numbers rising, like in Scotland or in Israel, they have not seen a rise in the hospitalizations that has come with that or what we've seen in previous waves. So it's a little bit early to tell uh, because those rises have only come recently, but it will be interesting to see whether any increase in hospitalization occurs. If it doesn't, then it justifies the moving forward of all the dropping of the mask mandates and opening the society up as as was done in those countries. And, And Dr. Vaisman, I will give the last word to you. When it comes to children, I think I'm not fundamentally opposed to the idea of vaccinating children. It's just that it's too early to know whether it'll be necessary or not. Uh, you know, whether or not we will need to depends on whether there's still ongoing cases and whether kids become a reservoir for COVID, like they are a reservoir for other infectious diseases. So it's a bit early to tell. It's good that they're doing safety trials to make sure that it is safe to, to vaccinate children if that is necessary. But it's a bit early to know whether we need to do that yet. Dr. Alon Vaisman, infectious disease and infection control physician at the University Health Network. Epidemiologist Dr. Prabhat Jha, faculty member at the Dalla School of Public Health. And epidemiologist Dr. Tim Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Early this week, the governing Trudeau Liberals announced relaxed restrictions for fully vaccinated Canadians returning home from abroad, which take effect at end of day July 5th. There are requirements, including negative COVID tests and proof of vaccination. Currently, there are many stores where you're not allowed to enter if you or a member of your household has traveled outside of the country within the last 14 days. But how and when will business owners line up with these new rules? Libby asked this of a fightback panel on Wednesday. David Main, general manager of the Toronto Lawn Tennis Club, Kendra Sozinho, Fiesta Farms assistant store manager, and Dino Vergona, owner of Fiesta Farms. We're planning on sticking to that guideline until uh, the city does uh, lift the mask uh, bylaw. And yes, it is based on the honor system. It's a little too soon to make any sort of change to our policy, I think. I know that the government's lifting it for travelers, but we're still in line with wanting to keep everybody as safe and healthy as possible. And I think it's just too soon right now. So you are still, I mean, it's it's not the mask requirement that I'm referring to. I'm referring to the uh, the question, uh, have, has, have you or anybody in your household been outside the country for two weeks? So um, what about that one? Are you going to relax that one? I don't think so. I think we're still going to stick to the policies that we've had in place for the last year. Right now, 
um, we do have weekly meetings, though, to sit down with, you know, our management staff. And as things change, uh, maybe a couple weeks into it, we'll see how, how the numbers are and how things go. But I think it's too soon, again, to make any sort of change to the, the policy right now. David, you know, when it comes to travelers, they have to prove. Uh, but um, how are you handling that? I mean, right now, it's just it's just a waiver. It's the honor system. Yeah, again, being member-based, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a strong community, and, and we do trust our members. Um, with this portion of it, it will be a discussion point as to whether or not um, we'll require proof, because it does ask for double vaccination, and I believe it also asks for a, a negative test as well. So um, that that's something that we still have to determine. Um, you know, the government has found a way to put it in place, and I, and I think we could do it as well. Um, but I, I do have a lot of trust in our membership that uh, they want to support the community that is the Toronto Lawn. So uh, we may very well stick to, uh, to just uh, trusting our membership. Dino and Kendra, so do you foresee just uh, having to deal with this and, and keep really on top of your policies? Uh, you know, how difficult has it been and, and what do you see going forward? <laughs> It's actually somewhat gotten harder as the year has gone by, um, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's not easy. Um, but I also think our policies and our, our sort of strict mask mandate has helped to keep the store as safe as possible. Um, and including, we don't look at just our staff. We look at our community around us. We want to keep everybody um, safe. We want to keep everybody healthy. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, as things start to lift and as things start to open, I'm hoping people's patience levels go drop. <laughs> <laughs> Their patience drop. levels drop? Well, no, 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 I think it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that, you know, people have to understand that, unfortunately, yes, being double vaccinated is, is a huge step. Um, but... We need to give it some time to see just how well it's going to work before we choose to change any sort of policies in place. Okay. And David, uh, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, it, it's been a, um, <laughs> an emotional uh, roller coaster ride for over a year for a lot of people. And I think we're all anxious to kind of get back to uh, living our lives fully again. And, and I think it's easy for us to want to slip back into that. Um, the... the as was mentioned, I, I think it's even more challenging right now with addressing the protocols because you know, people think that there's a, a silver bullet of a double vaccine, um, and it's it's not quite that way. I mean, I, we're still going to have to keep some pro, um, protocols stringent, um, but you know, I, I do see there there's light at the end of the tunnel in the next 60 or so days. My concern is going to be more when, for us, things get driven indoors a little bit more. Um, but hopefully the vaccination numbers are higher and, um, and, and we'll just have to manage the protocols as we move through it. David Maine, general manager of the Toronto Lawn Tennis Club, Kendra Sozinho, Fiesta Farms assistant store manager, and Dino Vergona, owner of Fiesta Farms. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break... Did you put on weight during COVID? Some expert advice on the way if you want to take it off. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Ontario, with the exception of Waterloo Region, enters step two of the roadmap to reopening this coming Wednesday, two days ahead of the original target date. Many are excited for hair appointments, manicures, and pedicures, as personal care salons will be allowed to reopen after a lengthy lockdown. So is the slightly earlier reopening helpful for business owners who've been shuttered for more than seven months in Toronto and Peel? Or does it leave proprietors scrambling to get supplies and staff earlier? Libby Snymer was joined to discuss by Rocco Rossi, president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, Perry Tuccioroni with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada, and Annette Palumbo, Operations Director of Hand and Stone Massage and Spa, a chain with 32 locations in Ontario. Uh, it will be added stress, but we're very grateful for an actual date to reopen. So although some people are scrambling to get their staff back a couple of days earlier um, and to make arrangements, we knew that July the 2nd was going to be the date, um, but it is making it difficult and it is putting stress on people that are trying to get their staff and their clients accommodated. I would imagine that a lot of clients have already been in touch and they wanted to get in as soon as possible and, and some of them, you know, not going to manage doing that. So, but it's not necessarily that easy to move them over as early, right? No, not at all. Uh, scheduling happens to be something that I do all the time, and it is a very, very, very delicate thing to be working with, especially when you have to say to your staff over a long weekend, they weren't intending to come back to work till after the holiday, so now they might have to rearrange their plans to be able to accommodate coming back to work earlier. And also with regards to people that are parents and, and situations as those, that need to make exceptional rules for that, too. Perry, um, it, the situation is, is a bit dis- different for the fitness industry. Uh, you can do outdoor classes. Uh, what do you make of the Stage 2 reopening for your business? It, it, we are grateful as well. It's a movement in the right direction. Uh, for the fitness industry itself, it does help a lot. They, what they've done, they've increased the outdoor capacity to 25 people. But the majority of the health clubs, it doesn't help a lot because, you know, it helps the trainers and instructors. Some of the clubs are close by to a park or have access to their parking lot. So there's a lot of work involved in that as well, too, by, you know, moving gear inside and outside. So it is appreciated. It's helpful. Uh, we, you know, we're really pushing to hopefully get moved into uh, step two. And that's even having our discussions that we should be the same classification as uh, non-essential retail which is step two is 25%. Because indoor fitness is still not until step three. And I'd like to bring in Rocco Rossi, who is the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Uh, your take, Rocco, is is it a gift or is it a pain? <laughs> Look, it, it, there's no doubt all of this is painful. Uh, there is nothing fair about COVID, period. Um, I will say that at least this time, unlike some earlier uh, ones, there are several days. It's not to say it's easy at all, um, but um, but they have given more 
uh, more warning than in the past. I just think that, you know, Ontarians have uh, been doing their part. We've been uh, rolling up our sleeves and um, healthcare workers, pharmacists, volunteers, logistics people have been doing an incredible job putting up record numbers in the pace of vaccination. Uh, I mean, yesterday, over 220,000 uh, alone, which to put it in some context would be like 5 million in a day in the U.S., which they never reached. So uh, Ontarians are, are doing it, and the reward for that should be more and more of their lives and their ability to earn a livelihood uh, returned hospitalizations, ICU use, the vaccination, everything is going in the right direction. And uh, we hope that this couple of day acceleration will will continue, that governments will continue to, to look at the incredible work being done by Ontarians and Ontarians will continue to do that work uh, to push for that acceleration of the of the third stage and beyond. Rocco Rossi, president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, Perry Tuccheroni with the Fitness Industry Council of Canada, and Annette Palumbo, operations director of the chain Hand and Stone Massage and Spa. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. For many, it's time to think about getting back in shape. In normal times, we would be doing this ahead of summer as we emerge from hibernation to enjoy the beautiful weather. But this is even more true after a year and a half of the pandemic as the province starts to reopen. According to a recent Leger poll, nearly 40% of Canadians admit to gaining weight. More than a third are exercising less. 16% say they've drunk more alcohol. And 9% say they've smoked more pot since the beginning of the pandemic. To get us back on track, Libby was joined by Dr. Steve Jordans, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, Lisa Covens from Leger, and wellness expert Rose Reisman. In terms of our business, our, our personal gourmet, which is individual meals and meal kits, have, have absolutely increased. I think people are now realizing they have to go outside, and a lot of people have some body shame, which is never a good thing, but everybody's been hibernating for a year and a half, so they're starting to come out, and even through Instagram, I see that people are really latching on to recipes in a way they didn't during the winter. Hmm. Yeah, and it, you're saying people are going outside, and I'm, I'm seeing stories about people uh, getting back into actual clothes, as not oh. sweatpants or other things with an elastic waist. Yeah, it's a little depressing for people right now. You know, we all knew it. I mean, you know, Zoom or not, you're from the waist up, so you could wear your pajama bottoms. And most people did. I, I know most of my friends didn't put on, women didn't put on a skirt or a dress for the last year and a half. Uh, um, and still haven't, and may still I have. say. And and one thing that I've always found, Libby, that keeps me honest is I keep pulling on the pants that have a zipper and, and a button just to make sure. I may not be, you know, on the scale much, but I, I kind of know by my clothes. And it's really hard, though, when you're stuck at home. Lisa, were you surprised by any of these findings? No, I mean, I wasn't. You know, you hear people complaining or people joking about it when you're on Zoom calls about, you know, how they're... They've got their dad bod or the, you know, they need to, 
to get out exercising. So I wasn't really surprised. The 16 pounds was maybe a little bit higher than I would have thought people had gained. Although, you know, I did have one colleague say he'd gained 40 pounds. What? Wow. Shocked by that. Poor guy. Um, I guess like really depends if you're using to the gym or now you're home and you know, you're baking more. That was a big craze. Like yeah. it, it, it all accumulates. Steve Jordan's with all of these things, when do you know that you have a problem and, or just as opposed to just, well, I'm having one more drink a day. I'm just going to stop. Ah, so, so on, on the uh, substance issues. Yeah. I mean, this, to a large extent, I think this has reflected essentially what we call self-medication. You know, people have been having trouble sleeping um, and, and such, and so they have a couple of extra drinks and they feel like they can drift off easier or they have that joint just before bed to, to drift off. And so I'm hoping that with some of the lifting of the anxiety, the positive mood state we've been talking about, there will be a natural inclination to, to not feel the need uh, for those drinks. But I think what people should do is just think of the lifestyle kind of approach. You know, don't go on a crash diet, but just look at some of the things you're doing that maybe you're doing more than you need to. And if you can just cut back and say, okay, from now on, you know, I'm just going to reduce these things a little bit and I'm willing to wait a few weeks or months for the pounds to come off if I can sustain that going forward. And and that's the better mindset to have with respect to it. Lisa Covens, what would you like to leave us with? Yeah, I would say just, you know, be excited about the future. Be be optimistic. You know, embrace all of these these good changes that people are saying they're they're going to embrace. But um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Hopefully, it all pans out. Hopefully, people stick to what they think they'll they'll do in the future. Rose, uh, seize the moment. It's looking really good out there today. The weather's perfect. Mm-hmm. Food is so accessible. That's your best thing to start living a healthier lifestyle. And Steve. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, just get out there and start living once you feel comfortable doing it, because we've been so sedentary, just our normal lives, we move so much more than we did. So as we go back to that, we'll have a whole lot more natural activity that will help us with with any behavior change we want to do. Wellness expert Rose Reisman, Lisa Covens of Leger, and Dr. Steve Jordan, psychology professor at the University of Toronto. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back. With Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. Here are some of this week's best calls. Sita in Mississauga phoned with her solution to maintain a healthy weight despite the pandemic. I don't believe in dieting because that only lasts for a while and people will gain back that weight. It's all about willpower. So I think people should eat in moderation, enjoy that bite, a few chips, a drink, and just enjoy it, but don't go over excess and make it healthy as possible. Helen in Toronto called about hair salons reopening this Wednesday. I'm all excited. My hairdresser finally called back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, as soon as I heard, I 
Sarah, I need to come in. I, it usually looks like a lion if I'm not there. Now you're going to have the whole floor covered. So I'm excited. Isa in Woodbridge phoned to say she's ready to travel outside Canada. We are going to take a trip. We are daring. Um, <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, but we're both vaccinated, both my husband and I. Okay, we have both um, vaccinations. And we were just wondering, I know that we have to take a COVID test 48 hours prior to the departure. The flight is eight and a half hours, and there's a six-hour difference when we arrive in Rome. What do we do there? Do we need to be retested again? And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Jane in Scarborough, who says she's lost a substantial amount of weight that she put on during the pandemic. My doctor back in March had sent me for some blood tests, and then I had told my husband, I said, I'm going to stop drinking because of the blood test. And then she told me to adopt a Mediterranean style of eating, and I found it so easy and so liberating that I wasn't on junk food, I wasn't on processed food, I wasn't going to fast food anymore, Um, I cut out the alcohol, which I was worried would be a problem. And I found it very liberating, and I'm now down uh, 18 pounds since March without doing anything other than eating wholesome food. It's surprisingly been easy and very liberating that, you know, I feel so much better. I've lost weight. My clothes are fitting better. In fact, some are getting big. It's come off 18 pounds. From Jane in Scarborough to Jane in Toronto, that does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fight Back voicemail anytime at 416 416- 367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.